Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, the second chapter. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2. Praise God. So I am a, uh, I'm a blessed father. Amen. Been blessed with some beautiful children. And, and um, my son in, in grace. Amen. We don't, we're not under the law. We're in, under grace. Amen. My son in grace, Jake. And you now my grandson, Oliver. Pam and I were talking about this last night, you know, just the fondness. I don't know the words even to, to say. And I, I looked at her. I said, what, what is it going to be like when he's actually talking to us? Well, that, amen, we're living that right now, you know. And um, if you hadn't heard him say Gendetti, it's probably the cutest thing he says. I'm just saying, amen. Uh, but <laughs> I'm Gendetti, by the way, amen. And uh, so just uh, so thankful for my family, but we're family. Amen. When the Bible says, we'll read the verse here in a moment, that we're all of one source. Amen. It, it, it means we, we all come from the same line. Amen. We, we've all been born from above with the same spirit. Praise God. Um, John Mark had made plans some time ago to, to go and visit his aunt and uncle in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming uh, this past week. He made the reservations, found a really cheap flight, and he made the reservations and realized it would involve Father's Day. And he's like, I'll change it, Dad. I'm like, no, man, you go, you go enjoy that. Um, We've we got plenty of time to spend together. So. But my son, I, I, I've, I, he, um, last year when we went to, to Wyoming, he, he started confessing that he was going to see a buffalo with snow and ice on it. And I've learned, you know, if my children start confessing and believing for something, I, I just agree with them. There's no need to, um, you know, oh, son, it's June, you know, are you kidding me? You know, so it was June last year, right? And um, so again, some of you heard the story, it, you know, out of the blue in June, cold front comes through and it snows. And we got some beautiful photos of buffaloes with snow and ice on them. Well, his uncle, he, they were going to Yellowstone um, again a couple of days ago, and he asked Uncle Clay, he said, Uncle Clay, I want to see a wolf. You know, the Yellowstone wolves are, are pretty infamous. He, I want to see a wolf. Have you ever seen a wolf? And Of course, they've lived out there how many years, Pam? Several years they've lived out there. One time, they saw one wolf. And it's like more rare than seeing grizzly bears. Last year when we went, we saw three grizzly bears. We told a park ranger we saw three grizzly bears. I don't think he believed us. He said, he said sir, he told Pam, he said, ma'am, if you saw three grizzly bears today, you need to go buy a lottery ticket. You know, and um, we did. We saw three grizzly bears. So he told, he told us on Clay, he said, you know, you ever see wolves? I'd like to see a wolf. He says, seen a wolf one time in all the years that I've been here. He said, just, you don't see them. I guess, I don't know why, but just a rare thing. You know where I'm going with this, right? They didn't just see a wolf. They actually saw a pack of wolves, 10 wolves, um, and uh, got some amazing photographs of them. I, mean, it's, I didn't realize how big those things were. Those wolves, are, they're big, but anyway. Yeah, and saw a grizzly before we even got into the park. So, But anyway, God is good. 
Yeah, he's, he's taken the love for guns and all that stuff from his Uncle Matthew. And um, Nancy and Clay have some friends that are... Of course, what they say in Jackson Hole now is that the billionaires are rooting the millionaires out, but they've got some friends that are very wealthy and a man who has just about every kind of firearm known to man. So John Mark got to shoot a 50 caliber yesterday. Yeah, so I understand that's a pretty big gun. So, But anyway... Praise God. Hebrews chapter 2. You thought I forgot, didn't you? I didn't. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10. Amen. Thank you for letting me talk a little bit about my family and the Lord just blessing them. Amen. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing, bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So I like to define exactly to whom the pronouns are referring. So when it says it was fitting for him... Uh, to whom are all things and for whom are all things. The hymn here is speaking of our Heavenly Father, okay? So it was fitting for Father, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So we know that Jesus was originally referred to as the only begotten Son of God, but now He is referred to as the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. And so he keeps on here in verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, that word brethren there literally means those who come from the same womb. Those who come from the same womb. Amen. So, of course, me and my brother and my sister Meredith we all came from the same womb. We came from my mother's womb, right? Um, when he says he's not ashamed to call them brethren, talking about me and you, he's saying that he's not ashamed to say that we came from the same womb. Amen. See, Jesus was the first born again man. Remember, he was born. He was dead and buried. And the Bible says he was born from death. Amen. And we were all spiritually dead. And so when we were born again, we also were born from death. Amen. And notice then, if you, if you take the understanding of brethren and you, and you go backwards, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. That literally means all from the same source. All from the same source. So we see in the big picture of the Bible two atoms. We see the first Adam in the Garden of Eden, and then we see the last Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there are many, many, many parallels between the two that Father has laid out for us, both Old Testament and New Testament, um, so that we can clearly recognize these two Adams. But if you understand that, um, that the first Adam was the fountainhead of a race of people, in other words, the Bible says we were all in him in seed form. So when Adam sinned, we all sinned, even though we weren't even born yet. Um, it, it caused the seed within Adam to be corrupted, right? So this is why Jesus says you must be born again. Um, and the Bible says that we have been born, if, you, if you've called upon the name of the Lord to receive salvation, you have been born a second time, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, uh, of an incorruptible seed. So you've been born a second time. You've been born of the seed of the Word of God. And remember, Jesus is that seed from which we were born. I could go on and on with this. We've taught about this over the years. But remember, Jesus said, if the seed, uh, about, if the, if, if, unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, it, it, it 
remains alone. It remains the only seed. But if the seed falls into the ground and dies, it, it reproduces after its kind. So we see that the first Adam was the fountainhead of a, of a, of a race of people. We, we, all people for that matter. Um, now we come to the, to the last Adam, Jesus. And in the same way now, we, we are all of him. We are all in him. We are all born of him. So when it says all are all of one, all from the same source, and since we were from the same source, um, he's not ashamed to call you brethren. Not ashamed to call you brethren. I'm listening to a book right now that um, is it's, it's a little deep, it's a little heavy, but it's fascinating. And, and um, it's from... Uh, uh, Frank Viola and Leonard Sweet, they wrote the Jesus Manifesto, and now their new book is Jesus A Theography. And in this book, they, they pointed out um, the, uh, the, the uniqueness of Jesus' ministry in that he had um, female disciples. This was unheard of, absolutely unheard of. Um, and, and so we see even you know, how Jesus brought that, he initiated that transition. Um, we see in, in, in the ancient world, um, uh, um, there was, women were basically not, you hate to say worthless, but in their estimation, um, women, livestock in some cases were valued more than women. But Jesus is the one who cha he changed that, right? And, and so even if you're in the room this morning and you are of the female gender, um, he's not ashamed to call you brethren in the sense that we were born uh, from the same womb. Amen. Um, and, and of course, an heir of God and a co-heir, a joint heir with Jesus, Romans uh, teaches this. There's so many parallels. I mean, you, you start talking about this and it, even just to introduce it and, and it just verse after verse just, you know, just starts rolling out, um, you know, so much connected back to these things. Now, the, the part here where it says both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. So here is, a, is a, an important distinction. Um, we see that, that Jesus is the one who sanctifies us, and we are the ones being sanctified, okay? So we see that, that Jesus um, has reached, and even to say this is confusing to a lot of people, but when we say that he has reached a place of perfection, you say, well, has he not always been perfected? Remember, he became a man, and the Bible says that he was perfected through the things that he suffered, suffering for you and me, amen, to make our salvation complete, all right? Now, we see then that we are in Him, and Ephesians says that we are now growing up into Him in all things, okay? So, He has been sanctified. He is the, the, um, the standard, if you will, um, and we are growing up into that standard. We, we are growing up into Him. So this is what it means um, when it says those who are being sanctified, which means we've still got some rough edges. That's, you know, sometimes people throw that out there just to make an excuse for behavior that they're not even trying to work on, you know? <laughs> Amen? 
well, you know, I'm still rough around the edges. Well, you know, you've been saying that for 14 years. You know, I mean, how, how long are we going to be rough around the edges, you know? Um, so I don't mean to just say, you know, it just kind of casually like that, well, you're rough around the edges, whatever. No, um, but we, we're growing, right? We're learning. We sang it a moment ago, more of him, less of me. Um, and, and so the idea is that we're becoming more and more like him in, in our daily life reality and in, in the way we relate to people and in, in the way we, we parent as, as, as mothers and fathers. Just every aspect of our lives, we're becoming more and more Christ-like. And so that uh, part is, is an ongoing process, which means um, I'm not the man I will one day be and I'm not the man that I used to be, amen, right? But, but where I am now, He loves me. Where I started from, He loves me. And where I will one day be, He loves me. He's not ashamed. If you're still struggling with some area of your flesh, if I'm still struggling with some area of my flesh, he's, it doesn't make Him ashamed, embarrassed to say, yeah, me and Him came from the same womb. That's my brother right there. Amen. Or me and her came from the same womb. That's my brother right there. Amen. Treating, treating the women um, in the same way that he does the men. Praise God. Now, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and we kind of stepped aside from everything last week, and we, we talked about some of the things that are going on in our world today. And so I want to go back and, and talk for just a moment about this, this idea of becoming a power user. Becoming a power user. A power user versus a recreational or casual user. Now, this, is, this expression, power user, uh, it developed in and around technology. Um, so like a, a power user of a certain program. Um, have, have you ever, and I bet you we've got some in here this morning. Um, the, probably the program that I am, I am least functional in would be Microsoft Excel. Amen. Got any power users, Excel power users in, in, in the room this morning? Okay, yeah, see, I see some hands going up, right? Uh, my son-in-law is, my son in grace, by the way, he is, he is a power user when it comes to Microsoft. I mean, he can do the whole formulas and, the, and the, all this other stuff, you know. And um, so, I, you know, I'm, I do good to open an Excel document and, and, and read this, the, 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 the stats in it, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it, it, this, it can be a piece of software, it can be a computer, uh, so it developed around technology, but... I just really felt like a few weeks back the Holy Spirit uh, began to impress upon me that, that we need to take that concept and apply it to the things of God. We need to become a power user. And so let me give you a, let me give you a quick def definition. This is from techopedia.com. A power user is an individual that operates a computer or device with advanced skills, knowledge, experience, and capabilities. A power user has the ability to reap multiple benefits and functionalities of a computer, software application, or the internet, all right? Now, you say, Pastor Mark, what, what does this have to do with Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11? Just stay with me for a moment, all right? I want you to take this definition, though, but in, instead of applying it to software or computers, I want you to apply it to the Word of God. I want you to apply it to the covenant that you have um, and, and to what Jesus has done for you and freely given to you, okay? And, and, and so a power user then in that case would once again be an individual that operates a covenant, amen, that operates in, in, the, in the Word of God, that operates in faith with advanced skills, okay? Advanced knowledge, and then notice this experience and capabilities. Why is that? Because a power user when it comes to our covenant 
is going to reap multiple benefits and functionalities. In other words, we're not getting out of our covenant what belongs to us because of our covenant, because of ignorance, because of a lack of faith, because of a lack of understanding. Um, and, and so again, this is this concept of becoming a power user, right? Where we're, we're not just a, a casual observer or, or, you know, someone that, you know, uh, what's the right word, you know, just something we do recreationally or, or what have you. But it's, it's, it's something that I think Paul captured it this way when he said, in him we live and move and have our being. See, that, that's, <laughs> that's a power user. That's a faith power user right there, right? That's, that's somebody that is, is um, uh, some of you who raised your hand to say that you're a power user in Microsoft Excel, is probably part of your career. It's probably part of your job. It's probably something that, that you do and use. That, that's Jake's a CPA, right? And so obviously this is something that, that he uses. And, 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 um, and if you ever watch a power user in, in, in some area, right? Man, I just sit there and just watch him just fire away at this and hitting all these buttons and, and uh, shortcut key codes and all these other things. And I'm just like it's, like, it's like watching Beethoven or something play a piano. I mean, it's like, man, you know. And, and, and then, of course, all, all that he can, you know, extract and, and all the benefit and, 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 and all that he gets from. I got that same Excel software on my computer right but i can't i don't know what to do with any of that i don't know how to do all that right and see that's the thing we've all got the same bible amen we all got the same covenant we've all got the same holy spirit we've all been given the same measure of faith amen it's just we i think if we'll begin to say holy spirit help me become and i love the concept of a power user right because what did jesus say you would be endued with power when the holy spirit comes upon you amen so he's the one who empowers us to become that power user he teaches us notice again um, it's knowledge skill experience capabilities amen our ability to 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 see Jesus used faith as a tool faith wasn't some esoteric uh, you know uh, thing that Jesus threw around casually um, he, he faith was one of the most important tools he had in his toolbox Amen. He, he used faith to set people free. He used faith to raise the dead. He used faith to feed crowds. He, he used it as a tool, right? He's a, he's a faith power user. Amen. And that's my prayer. Praise God for us. Now, we've been going through this list, and I'm going to go through it again this morning. Father God desires to treat you like sin never happened. That's a good place to say amen right there. Father God desires for all of His children to be like Jesus is to Him. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same access to Him as Jesus. We're going to talk about that here a little more this morning before we're done. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same fellowship with Him as Jesus. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same inheritance from Him as Jesus. Father God desires for all of His children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. Amen. And so we, you know, beginning last year, working our way into this year, um, we've had multiple sermons on each of these points. We've established these truths from the Word of God, the Word of God, the will of God, one and the same. He never says anything that's not His will. His will is expressed in His words. But what we've been doing here of late is we've, we've been going into the Word of God to see 
again, all that's involved in the fulfillment of these things. Because ultimately what we know is that the completed work of Jesus provides a permanent solution to the sin that separated us from all that Father God desires for us. In other words, all these things that He desired for us, sin is the enemy of. Sin was the enemy of. So this is why Jesus came to take away sin. This is why Jesus came to be one sacrifice for all sin for all time. This is why Jesus came, because remember, an apple that comes from a seed, if you cut that apple open, what's going to be inside that apple? The seed, right? And so the Bible says in 1 John that because His seed abides in you, amen, that not only do you not sin, you cannot sin. Now I know that freaks a lot of people out, but He's talking about your born-again spirit there. He's not talking about we can still sin by imagining wrong thinking, wrong things in our mind, and we can still sin in our flesh by doing wrong things. But he's talking about your born-again spirit, where the life of God, the eternal Zoe, life and nature of God that you've been given, amen, it, without end and overflowing abundance. Um, so again, born of the same womb, all from the same source. And the source of life, the source that gave us life, that life now resides in us. It, it abides in us. All right. So again, the completed work of Jesus provides a permanent solution not a temporary solution, a permanent solution to the sin that separated us from all that Father God desires for us. That list, I'm not going to go back through the list, but let me, let me just ask you a question, see if this will help you, you know, better grasp these things. Um, it's not that we only see Father God's desire for these things uh, in the New Testament in the life of Jesus. We see elements of every bit of this in the Old Testament. In other words, it's not just that Father God decided towards the end of the age that He wanted you to have the same fellowship with Him as Jesus. He created you. And even the way He created you, with you know, just a little bit lower than Himself, uh, because that was what He desired from you. Notice He had all these things in mind. We see elements of them in the Garden of Eden, the fellowship, the coming in the cool of the evening, so forth and so on. Um, and, and then, you know, throughout different people in the Old Testament, we see every bit of this. I mean, Enoch walked so closely with God that, that one day, and I forget who I heard say this, but it just stuck with me um, all these years, that one day the Lord looked at him and said, you know, it's closer to my house than it is to yours. Why don't you just come on with me today, right? I mean, he never died. I mean, he just got so close to God, the Bible says he was not. Amen. And, and, and so again, we, we see elements of this, you know, uh, scattered around through the lives of individuals throughout the Old Testament. But what Father's will, at least in those, in, in those aspects, is concerned, what His will for one is, His will is for all of us, all right? So we've been to, to I guess, let me, let me see if I can say it this way. It's one thing for me to tell you that Father God wants you to be blessed. He wants all of His children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed, all right? But perhaps that way, that statement will carry more weight with you if you understand everything that he's done and all that he's put in place and at great, great expense to himself um, so that you could be blessed like Abraham was blessed, so that you could have the same access to him that Jesus has to him. Amen. All right. Now, let's do this. Praise God. Uh, let's go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 2. I'll put the whole thing up here, 210 and 11. All right, it, it was fitting for him. No one else was fit to do it. Simple way to understand that. 
for whom are all things, by whom are all things, and bringing, bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Don't let the word perfect throw you, okay? It, it means and implies more than this, but the word is speaking of complete. It's speaking of completion, right? And so when it says, make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, there was no imperfection in Jesus, right? It's, it's talking about making his sacrifice complete. Uh, in other words, there was no other way for Jesus to provide the salvation that he provided for us apart from him suffering. Without the, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And he suffered so that you could, he, he became poor so you could become rich. Um, he was beaten so that you could be made well in your physical body, and so forth and so on, right? So, so he became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. So all, all that he suffered has uh, provided a salvation that is complete, a salvation without any holes in it, a salvation without any, without any loopholes, right? You, you know, there's no way for the enemy to penetrate it. He's covered every aspect of your existence, okay? Now, let's, I know we've mentioned some of this already, but let's go. Uh, from here, let me put Hebrews 5 and 9 up. It says, and having been perfected, this is speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Okay? And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. All right? So we see that the, the captain of our salvation was made perfect, made complete through sufferings, and having been made complete, having provided the, the perfect uh, uh, sacrifice through his sufferings, we see that um, that he has now become the author of. And I know we're talking about these things on on Wednesday nights. And I, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna ask you, please. We we're we're really covering some important stuff on Wednesday nights through the live stream. And I know some of you aren't as into the live stream as others, and technology's not you know your thing, but. But, amen, make the effort, right? Ask, ask a kid. They can help you. They'll show you how to do it, right? <laughs> amen, how to get it all set up. So, having been perfected, he became the author of, notice, those are not my words. Those are not the words of any denomination. Eternal salvation. Are you, are you following me, right? How is it that he can offer eternal salvation? He can offer eternal salvation because... Um, because he has been perfected. In other words, the, the salvation is complete. There, the salvation is eternal because the salvation is complete. I'll get it right here in just a moment. The salvation is eternal because salvation is complete. If there was, if, if there was some wiggle room in there, if, if there were some things he, he left undone, if, if there were some things that his suffering didn't cover, right, then, uh, then the salvation would, wouldn't be eternal. But it's eternal salvation because of the completeness of his suffering and his sacrifice, right? Now, I'm trying to show you passage from Hebrews 2, passage from Hebrews 5, now Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, okay? So it's one thing to talk about Jesus providing a complete sacrifice, a, com a complete uh, you know, through his suffering so that our salvation is eternal, 
But now here we see it directly connected to our experience, directly connected to our reality. For by one offering He has perfected forever. In other words, His perfect sacrifice provided a perfect salvation that has now perfected me and perfected you if you've been born again, not temporarily. He has perfected you, again, let's put the other word in here, has completed you forever. Amen. He's completed you forever. Let me say it another way. You received complete salvation. Are you with me? And your salvation is complete forever. Amen. He left nothing incomplete. Amen. You ever get one of those grades in school? You, know, you got the, the typical A, B, C, D, F. And then you get the I. Every now and you get the I, right? That was a teacher showing you mercy. Okay. Just saying, hey, this isn't complete. Maybe if you complete it, we can get you a little better grade here. Right? So there's nothing incomplete about what Jesus did for us because the salvation is complete. Right? That salvation has produced what kind of effect upon us? It has completed us forever, perfected us forever, those who are being sanctified. Now notice... Hebrews 2 uses that same expression, those who are being sanctified. Both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all from the same source, for which reason he's not ashamed to call you brethren. Yeah, he's not ashamed to say, yeah, I came from the same womb as she did, as he did. Okay? Now, I think the next question we need to ask ourselves is, Exactly who are these who are being sanctified? In other words, this is, a, this is an important group of people, right? Those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified, even though we are a work in progress, and, 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 and he's not ashamed to say, yeah, he's mine, she's mine. We're, 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 the, we're the same family. We're all of one. Even though there's still some things in their lives they're working on. Even though there's still some areas in their lives that they haven't, you know, matured beyond and, and, and grew past, right? Amen? You do realize you can outgrow gossiping. Amen. You, 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 I, I, it was a wonderful day for me when I realized I do not have to comment on everything. And, and that's, part of, that's part of me growing up. You know, at the time of my life is so immature, it just felt like anything, I, everything I had to comment on. I had somebody fire a, a David Wilkerson video over my bow the other day, right? Yeah, heaven help whoever made that. Making fun of Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, um, our president. Just, I mean, just mocking them, ridiculing them, right? Um, and, and, you know, man, I, I don't... One of my gifts is I can, I can come up... I, I come up with some stuff to say now. I don't mean, I don't, praise God, I can come up with some stuff to say, you know. And I, I was, I mean, I had the phone out, man. I was, I was about ready to rip them to shreds. You know what I said? You know what? I just got baited, and I'm not taking the bait. I'm not going to take the bait, right? Now, I'm not telling you to pat myself on the back, but I'm just going to tell you, seven or eight years ago, I'd have preached a sermon series on it. You, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have just commented. I would, I would have, you know, I'd have just, I'd have, you know. Again, so, so, but here's the thing. Jesus wasn't ashamed to call me his brother at that level of maturity. And I'm not trying to act like I've arrived. I haven't. I still, Paul's talking about it. I hadn't arrived yet, right? 
I got, I got room to grow. I'm pressing. I'm growing just like all of you. Amen. He wasn't ashamed to call me his brother then when I felt like I had to comment on everything. Amen. Are you hearing me? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. See, I'm... Amen. If Facebook is not a tool for edifying for you, then maybe you ought to lay it down. If you're, if you're not a voice of truth and light and love, then Jesus said it this way. He said, you're either for me or you're part of the problem. All right? Amen. 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 Again, we're talking about maturity here. The Bible says if you, can, if you can control your tongue, you control your whole body. And that man, it's, it's, it, that, that gossip being a talebearer, repeating stuff, the Bible says it's like a tasty morsel. You know what I'm saying? I like to think of them as donut holes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just so hard. You just, you know, your hand goes in the sack and your mouth flies open. I mean, it's just, it's just a tasty morsel. Hard, what I'm saying, he's saying it's hard to resist. It's like a bowl full of potato chips, man. It's hard to walk past them. He said gossip. The Bible says gossip's like that. Rumors like that. You know, telling somebody else's business is like that. Amen, right? So, praise God. And we could, we could apply this to any aspect of our life's growth and development maturity. But the point I'm trying to show you is, you know, when we were children speaking like children, he wasn't ashamed to call us his brethren. And now that we're learning to put away childish things and become mature Christian adults, right? He's not ashamed to call us his brother. Amen. Because as far as he's concerned, you've been perfected. You've been completed forever. That's why this verse is such a unique verse. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Man, how, again, he's saying you're a perfect work in progress. Not ashamed to call you his brethren. So the same Bible that refers to you and me as those who are being sanctified also speaks of us in the past tense as those who have been sanctified. For by one offering of himself, he has sanctified forever those, right? You see, so you say, well, Pastor Mark, which one is it? It's both at the same time. Your, your born-again spirit has been sanctified, and then that part of you that the Bible calls your soul, your mind, emotions, your will, that part of you is being sanctified. That part of you is a work in progress. And then how that affects our behavior and the way we live and the things we say and do, right, it follows suit from there. Amen. So we have been, we are being, and the Bible says there, there's coming a day when we will be, when we'll, this flesh will become a glorified body. Now, I keep getting to this point, and I'm, we're going to break through this at some, at some point. The word captain is the Greek compound word, and it literally means the one who goes first. And as I've told you before, this ties directly in with the substitutionary work Jesus did on our behalf. In, in, in other words, um, I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. Um, I'm now seated together with him. He, he blazed that 
trail for us. So I'll finish right here, but let me, let me just put this out there for, for you to meditate on this week, okay? First of all, we know that Jesus became one of us, which literally means He became a, a human being, okay? Um, Philippians 2 tells us that He emptied Himself of everything that, that made Him God and, and became, humbled Himself and became a human being. Every, everything that Jesus did on this earth, He did as a human being empowered by God's Spirit. Again, as our example. So Jesus became one of us. He then became our sin. This is really important. When He became our sin, He was separated from His Father and He died. Amen. I know some folks get really anxious about this, but the Bible makes it very clear. He went into the belly of the earth. He went to hell for you and me. Now, we often think in terms of where Jesus started. He started as the eternal Son of God. But again, He emptied Himself of all of that. He came to this earth, right? But from the earth, He went to death, hell, and the grave. He went beneath the earth, and he went beneath the earth separated from his Father. This is why the Bible says he's the firstborn from the dead. We also were spiritually dead, separated from our Father, and it was inevitable. We, we were going to die physically, and we were also going to a devil's grave. We were also bound for an eternity in hell. That's where we were headed. Jesus went there for you as you, and then from that place of death and separation, I want you to see this now, from that place of death and separation, He pioneered a trail back to the Father for us. He, he made a way, the captain of our salvation, that captain, the one who goes first, right? He's the first to ever escape death, hell, and the grave. And not only did He escape it, and come back to the earth. He went from death, hell, and the grave to the earth and then ascended back to the right hand of the Father. Not just to prove it could be done, not just to, and it certainly does bring glory to God the Father. The Bible says it was the greatest demonstration of His power. But not just because He raised Jesus from the dead and set Him at His own right hand, but it's because when He raised Jesus from the dead, He raised all of us from the dead as well. That's why it's the greatest display, Ephesians 2, it's the, Ephesians 1, it's the greatest display of God's power. Okay? So it wasn't just to show that it could be done, but in... In doing that, Jesus, see, now this is where you have to modify the language. He didn't just make a way, he became the way, right? It's one, it's one thing for, you know, somebody to take a machete and hack a, a pathway, right? But Jesus is the pathway, right? You say, well, well, what's the difference? There's a lot of difference, but the main difference is because He's eternal, right? Because He is the door, there will always be a door, right? Because He is the way, there will always be a way. 
The only way they could ever know, you know, not be a door anymore is, is for Jesus to not exist anymore. Amen. Are you seeing this? All right, stand with me. Praise God. I appreciate you being patient. I wanted to get to that, that point this morning. So what we're going to see, and we'll look at this next Sunday, I feel like it's what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. Amen. Is the comparison that we have in Hebrews chapter 9 leading into chapter 10 is that under the old covenant, one priest went once a year. But now Jesus has become this new and living way. Meaning what? Meaning we can all come boldly to the throne of grace. We, in, in other words, the holiest place of all, the holy of holies, where, where Father God in His presence uh, abides, that's no longer for one person once a year. It's for whosoever will. Amen? Well, that's just straight up good news right there. All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you this morning for your great love. Thank you for those who, Lord, are here in the building with us, those who will be watching this, listening to this later. Lord, I, I pray for every person in the sound of my voice. But also, Father, this morning I want to take a moment to just pray for all of the dads. Lord, I, I thank you um, for the fathers in this room. I thank you, Lord, for the commitment that they've made, Lord, to lead their households uh, in a godly way with integrity, with love, and with truth. Father, I thank you, Lord, um, for your Holy Spirit empowering and enabling each of us as dads um, to be the example, to be the leader. Uh, Lord, the servant leadership, Jesus, that you demonstrated for us. Help us to be dads who um, lead our families, set an example, um, not, of, not of a tyrant, but of a servant. Uh, Lord, giving ourselves like Jesus gave himself uh, so that those in our family and those in our family of faith, Lord, can, can prosper and, and, and see more and know more and have more of you and what you desire for us to have. Father, we, we uh, pray for our country, for our, our leaders. Um, we, we pray, Father, for our, our, um, our, our local leaders, our, our local law enforcement. Um, Father, we thank you for uh, protection and for peace. And Father, we thank you, Lord, um, for just guiding this country forward. Um, Father, you said for the church to pray for those who have the rule over us so that it might be well with us. And Father, we see that there are decisions that are being made that affect us. And so we pray that those who make those decisions would hear from you and would make wise decisions. Father, you're the only answer to what's going on in our country right now. Um, and we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers demonic forces that are trying to divide this country, trying to um, uh, bring upheaval and turmoil to this nation. And so, Father, I thank you for uh, the answers. I thank you that your people are we're humbling ourselves and praying, turning from our wicked ways, Lord, so that you can heal this country and heal this land. Father, I, again, um, we thank you for our time together this morning. 
pray, Father, that when we leave here, that we'll let our light so shine before men that they'll see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You'll be blessed.